You are live. Hello. Welcome to another episode of the Boink Radio Podcast here on the Boink Network Discord server. Today's episode one, 105. We're talking about the Boink Census. Woo! Give me a woo or something. Okay, fist pump. We'll take it. <laughs> uh, this is a... Uh, well, let's do the intro. Okay, so you can join us every other... Friday, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Boink Network Discord server or live on YouTube, Twitter. That's it. Uh, for a live discussion on all things Boink, feel free to jump into the discussion on the Discord. Uh, we'll bring anything you say into the uh, chat here on the stream. Otherwise, happy Friday. I think I'm in your time zone. These, uh, I'm closer to your time zone right now. Uh, probably, because uh, it is Saturday here. Um, no, I'm in uh, I'm in Thailand right now. Oh yeah, you would be close <laughs> to my time zone there. <laughs> you'd be feel Australian probably, already. You'd be a bit more in the morning, I think. You'd be a bit earlier than me. What's the time for you at the moment? Uh, five thirty in the morning. Yeah, there we go. That sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'm sitting here at uh, nine nine thirty in the morning, almost. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of happy. <laughs> um oh man all right so do we want to talk about your beverage or do we want to explain the boink census first what shall we do i think we, we should go for the beverage because i am very right. keen on my beverage this morning okay because in woolies i found another oh it's blurring it out oh, yeah, there, oh, oh, there we go maybe something <laughs> okay oh, i've got it another really oak. goes after the yeah yeah it's censoring out the commercial product it knows. Are they all paper cardboard or paper cartons? Uh, yes. So with oh, oak also does plastic bottles, but the traditional ones are in the cartons. Uh, so uh, that's not how I pictured it all these years. <laughs> I'm so glad we have stream now. Yeah, yeah. And so um, I'm going to read you out this big blurb that's on the back here, um, because oak on all their cartons put a little blurb on the back, which says. Hungry Thirsty thinks is protected from the elements, but Oak has just appeared on the radar with a blast of mouth-melting minty chocolate that leaves Hungry Thirsty shivering and stranded with no help in sight. Ice cold. What do you think of that? It's too much for me for 5.30 in the morning. <laughs> okay, well, I'm drinking Oak Choc Mint. Uh, which is a new flavor I haven't reviewed yet, and I remember reviewing all the oak flavors, um, I think, last year. Oak mint tastes pretty good. Like, um, probably so good that I'd probably rank it above oak chocolate. Uh, purely because it's not so, like, pungent and thick and sugary. Like, it's got a fresh kind of feeling to it because of the mint. So. Yeah, I'm giving this one a really good rating. Anyone who's getting oak, definitely get oak chocolate milk. Nothing more to be said. <laughs> uh, yeah, short and to the point. Let's get into Boink news, huh? Yeah, let's go. I don't think I don't think we have too much, but we do have a huge update from the Open Zika project uh, from the World Community Grid team out of the Kremble Institute. Uh, how's that going, by the way? How's the, the transition going? Is anyone crunching WCG and, and is it smooth at this point? While y'all put your responses in the chat, we'll start reading this. 
it is, again, a very long post. So we used good old AI to summarize for us. Bless you, technology. The OpenSeeker project was started <laughs> in May 2016 uh, by Dr. Uh, Andrade uh, and Dr. Ekins and Dr. Perryman to uh, identify inhibitors for the Zika virus in collaboration with World Community Grid. This was from IBM at the time. Uh, the team screened 7,600 potential compounds and reduced it to eight, five of which became viable to be safe. So that's where the computational resources were used, screening the 7,600 proteins into eight. That's so freaking amazing. <laughs> okay. So they then created uh, a library of 30.2 million compounds to be tested against the Zika virus proteins in March of 2017 with the help of WCG volunteers. So that's, again, where the computational resources were used, screening 30.2 million compounds just with our computers. Uh, the tests then continued uh, until December 2019 when the project was deemed completed. And in October 2022, the team's research was published in the Journal of Chemical Information and Modeling, and they identified 61 of the 30.2 million uh, compounds uh, of interest for further screening. Again, they screened 30.2 million compounds down to 61, just plain old 61 with our computers. Uh, the compounds were filtered using machine learning models and medical chemistry uh, inspection, and five compounds were selected uh, as they actually inhibited the function of the viral proteins. So I'm assuming they, of those 61 possible compounds, they got the five uh, out of wet lab experiments. Uh, and then eight compounds were also identified as being able to protect cells from death caused by uh, the virus with low toxicity. So they got quite a few results out of all the work that our computers did over these four years. Um, they, the researchers are now looking for partners uh, for hit-to-lead optimization and chemical synthesis for further experimental validation. So this is one of those projects, started 2016, ran some magical computations on our computers over the years, screened 30 million compounds down to 61, and is now like putting that in a, in a lab where it looks like they have five to eight that hopefully will go into like clinical trials someday to actually stop Zika. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, first thing I want to say is I want to say thank you for World Community Grid for reporting on this because it's important to always uh, let the community know what they've done and how they've contributed. And uh, second of all, uh, the Zika virus has been something that we've kind of like forgotten about. Um, I'm pretty sure it still exists on mass around the world. So um, it's still something that affects everyone day to day. And hopefully if one of these compounds actually gets to the end stage where it could be used to either treat it or prevent Zika virus, then um, this would truly be a blazing success of Boink. Um, not to say that we haven't already succeeded because cutting down 30 million compounds to, I think you said 62, was it, or 61? It's the, yeah, 61, 62. Yeah, so that's insane. Like, it's, I, like, that there is a success in itself. So um, everyone that's crunched uh, World Community Grid and Open Zika, congratulations on you. Yeah. The, uh, and in the chat, we got some responses. It seems like WCG is up and running again with no issues so far. Thanks, Sackpop, Toastoon, and Webber. Toastone and Weber. Hey, good morning, everyone. Happy language talking. 
Uh, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I'm glad they're they're up and running. I know that transition must have been insane because it's a huge project. Uh, but yeah, I absolutely agree with you, man. This is, uh, if they like, <laughs> I think it's a huge deal. And it's just going to get worse with climate change, right? It's moving from Central America and like the the more humid, hot climates up north as it gets warmer in the summer and more humid. Uh, it's just becoming more of a problem. So it's it's cool to have a project that we can all contribute to or did contribute to to help fight it. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> I think that's all the news that we had uh, today, unless there's like really small things. Milky Way has new runs that you can use. Um, but yeah, I think we should just go straight into the point census. Let's do it. So I'll lay up some context and then you go. Uh, yeah, this was a I'm going to try and figure out how to screen share it as well. So oh, hopefully fantastic. we can do that here now. Yeah. Go ahead and uh, so um, the point give census, us intro. Yeah, the point census was a uh, census put together by the Science Commons Initiative. Uh, it ran for probably like three months throughout the fall. It ended on January 1st of 2023. Uh, the goal was to really just collect data on the user base of Boink. The last census or like general community user base poll was, I think, 2006. And like 2006, Boink was fairly big. So massive response to that poll. Uh, in this poll, we got nearly a thousand participants uh, responding. Uh, and a lot of great feedback on the user base, which Delta will go through. He'll also be presenting during the Boink workshop, which is a news item we got to remember to echo every time we do it on radio. The Boink workshop is taking place March 1st and March 8th. Go to boinkworkshop.org for more information. Uh, but uh, Marcus will be presenting the, the findings there. Uh, and hopefully the community will be able to have a uh, conversation together about what uh the data means what we can do with it um there was already some great responses on like the reddit posts and whatnot about um sort of the demographic shock of boink users uh, i think it's like 99 percent men uh so <laughs> there's a lot of information to be learned for further outreach that's the primary goal like how can we grow the user base who do we already have who do we probably need to target and uh also how can projects use this information to uh, get information about what they do out to the user base as well? So if you're good to go, man. Oh, you got the screenshot. Let me bring this up. Yeah, yeah. I think you need to. Yeah, there we go. Cool. That was so cool. Beautiful. We. <laughs> All right. Um, so. Uh... Yeah, so with the, uh, yeah, we conducted the Boeing census in 2022. It was around kind of like the November time all the way up to the new year. And uh, yeah, as Jeringa said, we got a total of 1,100 responses, but only 939 were actually completed. Like this when someone actually goes through the full form. We got a couple of uh, responses where they went through half the form and then they dropped off. Uh, but the thing is, we got an 84% completion rate, which is pretty good. Uh, and it's good to see that 99% of the people who went through this form have used Boink before. <laughs> so I'm that's curious the, about that 1%, though. Yeah, I am kind of, too. Uh, but the thing is, I, I did make the census in a way where people who don't know about Boink can still, like, put in their answers. There's a lot of, like, Yeah, NA. it's a genuine interest. 
Yeah, so um, it's good to see that most of the people that did do the census is actually have used Boink before, because that means that the majority of the results below um, would be uh, more or less valid and more relevant to Boink itself. Um, well, that 1% so too, it's going to be like, why are they filling out the census but have never used Boink? Like, do they just like the idea and this is the first time seeing what Boink is and then... So it's, it's going to be interesting to hear about this. Yeah, um, I don't think I reported directly on it in the um, in the census because, after all, there's not really enough data to report on for that. Yeah. Um, but either way, let's take a look at demographics. So um, I asked quite a few demographic questions, and I tried to keep them as very broad and uh, as um, not very intrusive as possible. Because there were quite a few people who said, I don't want to tell you my age. I don't want to tell you my gender. I don't want to tell you where I'm from. I don't want to do any of that. That has nothing to do with Boink. In reality, it kind of does. Uh, so to get the best of both worlds, I made it as least, least intrusive as possible. Um, so as far as the gender is concerned, uh, <laughs> and I think I remember seeing a comment on Reddit as well that, the Boink community is predominantly male, and you could pretty much say that it is almost all males, because uh, I think based off of, uh, um, I did a quick pie chart before I turned this into a bar chart, I think it was around 95% male, and then the rest of it is either female, other, or prefer not to say. So if you were to bet on coming across someone else in this community and guessing that they're a, they are male, then you could put money on it, I'd probably say. Um, and uh, the good information that comes from this is, is there a reason why there aren't that many females in this community? Um, is the bad thing that the, the community is filled with a whole bunch of people who identify as male? Um, the other section um, that I put into the uh, gender question also reflects somewhat of the LGBT community. Uh, if there are people who um, identify as a gender other than the two binary uh, uh, male or female, um, which was a quite a small percentage. But uh, nonetheless, Jeringer, what do you think of the gender distribution? We got some work to do. But it, I, I, I think ideally the percentages would reflect the general population, of course. But I think it's an easier target maybe to reflect the scientific uh, community, yeah. at least, where there's it's not 50-50s, but there's still a better distribution or better e equality of participation. Uh, I think we should, as people think about getting Boink out into the world, we should think about how can we target people who are not just men uh, in their 30s in undergrad. And I will say, like, it's, it's frankly shocking to me that the most, uh, the highest population or the highest age group is the 31 to 40 group. And a lot, the highest level of education is undergrad. I thought it would be a much skewed, much more skewed on the older side uh, and much more skewed sort of uh, postgrad. Yeah, so let's let's talk about it a little bit. The interesting thing about the level of education is that uh, if you consider university undergrad and university postgraduate, those two categories themselves make up two thirds of the Boink community that was surveyed in this poll. 
So from that, you could probably say that it's somewhat likely that the that two thirds of the Boink um, community are university educated, which is quite astounding. It's a, it's a very highly educated community. Um, but yeah, in terms of the age group, um, I was interested to see that there are a lot of young people in there. Um, I would like to see probably a little bit higher on maybe the 17 to 20 age group. Um, cause I know that I picked yeah. up Boink when I was, um, actually I picked up Boink when I was 14, I think 13 or 14. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I would have liked to see a bit more on the kind of uh, teenage sort of age group there. Um, but yeah, there are quite a few veterans by the looks of it. Uh, you can see that the 70 plus, um, age group outweighs the 17 to 20 year olds, which is quite interesting. Um, I'd love to see that graph like composed on like uh, demographic trends because I know we in just the world in general there's a growing older population and a shrinking younger population so I wonder if this uh, meshes with that or if this is unique to Boink where Boink is sort of a uh, it's not picking up a new generation of users at all yeah I'll, and I'll tell you what Jeringo um, as we um uh, as we do more censuses census sensei 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 <laughs> as we do more of these surveys we'll collect the data that's necessary to actually produce that sort of graph because um what we can do is then we can generate like a um maybe like a gif or something that like shows the different changes over time we can see the age groups moving along maybe the generation moves along because if you think about it a little bit um, SETI at Home started in like 1998 or something like that, right? 99, 98, 99. 99, yeah. Um, so you can tell by just taking a look at the two inner groups here. So 31 uh, to 40 year olds and 41 to 50 year olds, minus 23 ish years, and they'd probably be teenagers or in their early 20s, right? Um, so that there is the SETI at home boom era right there. So those are more or less the um, people who might have been there during SETI at home, um, which is an interesting thing. And I'll show you in a different graph as well um, how many actual Boink veterans that we have, which is actually pretty astounding. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, finally, uh, what country are you from? I don't think there really is anything too special about this one. The majority of respondents are from the US and the second biggest group is from the Europe or the European zone. Um, and yeah, I was interested to see that uh, Germany came in at second for that one. Yeah, it is interesting. And this, so I think this demographic data is useful on two fronts. One is of course, how do we grow the Boink user base and retain who we have? So this helps us like, hey, we need to target younger people who aren't men. Men seem to find their way here anyway. Uh, and it also for uh, Boink projects themselves gives them information on where they want to, who they want to target if they want to get more crunchers in their specific project. They want to target 31 to 40 year olds who are men right now. You know, as the demographics change, Boink projects will shift who they're targeting based on the user base of Boink. And the people who market Boink hopefully want to change these demographics to uh, grow in different ways. 
to help yeah, point projects. I think there's a the, lot of useful inf information with demographics. Yeah, and the importance of the uh, country demographics is actually seeing what variety of languages um, yep, is absolutely. in the point community. Because I know that um, uh, we've had people come in here who speak uh, German, who speak Russian even, um, and have a bit of a hard time trying to do things. I know that there are actually some projects that have their project pages that are written in Russian or uh, German or even Italian, I think, um, on some of them. Uh, so it's good to know where the sort of um, localizations need to be focused more on. And I know that I've had a lot of responses saying, please find a way to translate the census into other languages. I thought that you could do that with your browser nowadays, but um, yeah, maybe some considerations into maybe the education, because there was a lot of people who mentioned that, excuse me, that um, it was hard to understand the education because it was kind of Americanized. Um, so I tried to do my best with uh, what I had there, because generally, um, as far as I know from around the world, you have primary school, which is kind of like just after kindergarten, and then you have secondary school, which is like your kind of high school, junior and senior high school. Then you go to university, which is tertiary. You have university undergraduate. That's when you first get into university, and then postgraduate after you graduate university. So if anyone has any ideas on that and how to make it more kind of like localized to different countries, then uh, I, I'm more than willing to take feedback. Oh, yeah, definitely. So this, as an American, confuses the crap out of me. I don't know what primary or secondary is either. <laughs> uh, but I would consider next one doing like grades one through, you know, six, and then grades six through uh, college, and then or, yeah, or yeah. university, and then university, and then post grad. Yeah. Otherwise, um, what I think I can do with the form is I could put like a little like question mark next to it. So if people are having trouble understanding what it is, they can just like click on the little, like, little question mark and say, this is the equivalent of grades one through to whatever in America. This is the equivalent of something in Germany. This is the equivalent of something in France. I think that's a like great that. idea. Yeah, I'll see if I can do that yeah. next census. <clears throat> and this speaks right. to a larger uh, uh, discussion around the census, guys. If you think of feedback on how to improve this for next year, uh, uh, Marcus is radically open to feedback. Let's make it better. Let's get more information for the uh, Boink community to use to, to make Boink better. Absolutely. Um, there are some Reddit posts up. So if you go onto Reddit, um, r slash Boink has a post on there. Um, and I'm pretty sure we've cross-posted around a whole bunch of places. So if you find a Reddit post, leave your comment on it. Uh, I'll check it out. And yeah, I'll, I'll incorporate it into the next census. <laughs> OK, let's take a look at how people use their Boink devices. Uh, so we can see that the majority of people have probably one to th one to five devices by the looks of it. You got a couple enthusiasts who have like more than five devices. Uh, and I was surprised to see that there were a bunch of people who have zero devices, which is strange. Excuse me. Um, so yeah, then I asked people, uh, how many of those devices are mobile devices? We have a massive amount of people who said none of them are mobile devices, and a few people who said they have one, and then all the way through to five plus. Uh, if you look at that as a pie chart, which I have on the right here, 77% uh, of people said that they do not use Boink on mobile, whereas 23% said that they do. 
And uh, probably a good reason for this is that Boink is not on the App Store or the Play Store. Uh, rather, you have to manually install it using an APK. And I know uh, this is high on, I actually don't know where it is on the priorities, but I know it's on the minds of the people who are developing this great open source suite. So guys, get in there and help them develop this. But getting Boink in mobile through some means or another, getting it in the stores, finding out ways to do that uh, is something that the devs want to do. So I'm very glad we've started the census before that's done. So assuming that the developers get to a point where they figured out how to do this legally, um, we're going to see that shift when the Boink gets into the App Store, if and when uh, in this data we collect from year to year. I can't wait for that to happen. Yeah, and uh, the importance of that is that we have projects that do run on Android as well. Um, that's, that's an important thing, because if we don't have any projects that run on Android, then what's the point of having a mobile app? I'm actually curious. This is uh, the scroll back up to the mobile data. Yeah, uh, this might we might be able to infer some stuff about power users through this this data, like because it's not simple to get it running on a phone necessarily. So yeah. we can assume that anyone who has one or more mobile devices are power users. And maybe in the next census, we want to dive into what power users are thinking uh, in terms of how they would like the uh, program, how, how they, they would like Boink to more fit their needs and how they think it would improve and how maybe they feel like they want to contribute but can't uh, because power users generally love the software they're using. So how can Boink make it easier for them to contribute uh, to the advancement of Boink? But I think there's a, there's a lot of great information we can infer from, from collecting this information here. Absolutely. Um, another simple chart, how often do you run Boink? Um, I asked from a few days 24 a week. 7. Yeah, 24-7. The majority of people run it 24-7. I mean, I practically run it 24-7, except um, seasonally. Uh, it's like, for example, right now, all my crunching rigs are turned off because if they were on, I wouldn't be here. I'd be melted on the ground because <laughs> <laughs> um, of the Australian summer. Uh, there, were, there was quite a few feedback saying... Um, exactly what I said, running it seasonally. So I might add that answer in there, um, into this question later on. Uh, yeah, this is, yeah. I mean, this is interesting to me to see that, like there, there's such an emphasis when we're talking about Boink that there's, you can go into your settings and, and make it run only when it's idle. Uh, and there's a huge emphasis on that. And it looks like not many people use that. So it's not, I think there's a lot of things we could talk about regarding why but i think some data that's missing here maybe we put in the next census is if you run 24 7 is this on your main pc or do you have a dedicated rig that you have on 24 7 and then if it's if you use boink on your main pc are you also running it 24 7 or is are those the people who are only doing it when it's idle like let's see how useful those features of run when idle actually are to the user base uh, and seeing how this changes over time, if we put, get Boink into more users, like if we can get it to a more general population, does the only one idle increase because we've got people who are just using their daily PCs to Boink? Like, yeah, I think there's a lot we can add on this section in the next census and a lot we can still, uh, again, infer right now. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I was interested to see that uh, not a lot of people use it running only when idle. But then again, most of the most Boink uh, apps nowadays you can run by well just doing anything on your computer. Like um, 
I don't have many issues running GPU apps and playing games at the same time. Uh, I would only do it during the winter because that's when I need to heat up my room. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, like I've not had any issues personally with running other things in the in the background alongside Boink. So um, yeah, maybe it's time to move along from that. But who knows? We'll see. All right. So I did ask a lot of questions regarding the impact of Boink. So the first one is kind of like the perceptions of like, oh, how much impact do you think you're having? Uh, whereas the other ones are kind of like more or less um, external impacts, like how you're impacting the environment, how you're impacting other Boink projects. <laughs> so first of all, I found it kind of uh, a bit sad that people were not very optimistic. The biggest response for impact was people saying that they think they only have some of an impact on the world um, from their contributions. Uh, I would have thought that a lot more people would have said that they have a big impact on the world. Um, but yeah, I'm surprised to see that a lot of people are a bit pessimistic about things. What are your thoughts on this one, Jeringo? I don't know. Like, I see the argument for uh, drawing this to pessimism, but I don't know if that's necessarily uh the first place i would go i think it's maybe an indication of why people boink which is it's something like they're passionate about science and it's almost like the only way they feel like they can interact with the process of scientific discovery so that's why they boink it's not necessarily to make an impact it's to fulfill a selfish need which is great that's how humans operate uh so that's why they boink. It's not to make an impact. And that's why they think, yeah, some impact, but I'm still doing something that I feel good about. So that's great. Uh, I would love to see that sort of question in here. Like, do you boink? Uh, do you use boink because it makes you feel good to contribute to science? Or do you use it because you're trying to make a change in the world or both or something like that? Give them, give people a couple options. Um, I also think maybe this has to do with communication. For example, I bet you if we were like live tracking people's emotions when we were going over the World Community Grid news about Zika, <laughs> while we were talking about that, probably the feeling of making an impact increased. Uh, but that just peters off almost immediately after that news comes out. And that's just human nature. Like that news needs to be continuous to make you feel like you're having an impact. Every project needs to be like, hey, here's what we did. Here's what your results have produced. Here's what we're doing in the future with your results. Uh, and then continuous updates. You know, World Community Grid, frankly, throughout history has been beautiful. They're, they're fantastic at doing this. Uh, SETI at Home was also one that did really cool stuff um, with regards to communication with the community. So I think there's also something to be said here about getting Boink projects to really talk about what people's processing power means to them. Uh, mm. But I, I, over time, ultimately, I do hope to see this sort of shift to the right to a, a moderate impact at least <laughs> yeah yeah because the other way you can think about this sorry let's, i would have yeah, loved to good. see this during the coronavirus search yeah oh, yeah of course because yeah, yeah the, the one thing about this is that it is very dependent on the times um yeah but uh I, it, there's another way that you can think about it too is if you think about kind of like the core ethos of boink which is we connect a lot of small computers around the world to make one big supercomputer it's like saying you're connecting a lot of people who make a very small impact to make one very big impact. Um, that's another way that you can think about this uh, this graph as well. Yeah, no, I like that. That might 
go to uh, speak to like general communication about what Boink is and does, you know, like that, because that just made me feel like I'm making a bigger impact. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, my little, my little computation power adds to one of the world's largest supercomputers, right? And that supercomputer is helping researchers get their work done. Uh, whether I know, whether or not I know exactly what impact it actually has per researcher is less important to me when I think, oh, I'm part of a large computer that's just helping scientists. Yeah. Um, and yeah, moving on to the energy mix, um, and we should probably cut it off uh, after I do the next set of graphs down here. Um, sure. uh, so yeah, in terms of energy mix, I wanted to record the energy mix because um, we kind of want to know what sort of environmental impact Boink might be having uh, in terms of where people get their electricity from. So from the, the graph that we have here is kind of non-conclusive because we have a lot of people who said that they're not sure about the, where they are in the energy mix. Um, whereas what we had from most of the other results is a lot of fossil fuels, which took up the majority of them, uh, then renewables and hydroelectric, and the majority of the other responses was nuclear. So in the next sense, I'll be definitely adding a nuclear option in there. Um, and uh, if you can, if you ignore all the not sure results, add up all the renewables, hydroelectric, and nuclear, which we consider as clean, or at least mostly clean, um, it outweighs most of the fossil fuels anyway. So. Um, I wouldn't say that we're doing a good job in protecting the environment in terms of where we source our energy from. Um, I'd say we'd probably need a bit more data. Yeah. And hopefully I, this question actually gets people to think about where they're getting the energy from as well. Yeah, I think my, my only response to this section to add to what you've said, which I completely agree with, is that like this makes me think more about the usefulness of this sort of survey, of this census. We can give this data uh, to people who might want to advertise to Boink users or market using Boink, who want to build some sort of business model around Boink. Like maybe renewables see that there's a fairly large renewable user base. Yes, it's not the, the highest, but there is a large one here. So they can target the Boink community with how to build a better renewable infrastructure and, and uh, maybe some companies that build on Boink in the future can use that as a source of income. Uh, that helps further Boink development and, and the Boink mission. So I think there's a lot of useful information here. Cool. Um, yeah, let's move on to financial impact. <clears throat> so I split this into two questions. Um, have you supported Boink... Uh, have you supported a Boink project financially? And have you supported a Boink project non-financially? And the difference between the two is financially, it's pretty obvious, you just make a donation. Uh, non-financially is in some other way. So it could be volunteering your time, contributing to the open source code, um, shipping a CPU or server to a project admin who needs some more server hardware. Stuff like that, which is non-financial, non not a direct donation. Okay, and I thought that we get a lot more respondents on non-financially versus, um, uh, versus not a lot on financially, because I would have thought that there'd be a lot more people in the community contributing in a non-financial way rather than just simply dumping money into a project. But it looks about the same. Um, yeah. 
which I was kind of a bit estranged by. <laughs> yeah, um, I thought the non-financially would be much larger than it yeah, is. Yeah, but it looks like for both of them, it's around 80% of people do not support Boink projects either financially or non-financially, whereas about 20% of people do. <laughs> so maybe here's another thing we can add to the next year's census. Like, do you want to support a Boink project non-financially or financially? And then what's keeping you from doing that? Or how would you like to do that? And then Boink projects can use that information to build out infrastructure to onboard community members, help their, their project uh, develop some new applications or or any of these open source projects, just maintain the repos, stuff like that. I, th I think that would be a great ad next year that the Boink projects would love. Yeah, and even this might prompt some Boink projects to set up, I don't know, maybe like a PayPal donation link or maybe a cryptocurrency address. I know that some projects already do that, um, but uh, the more the merrier, I'd probably say. It would also be interested or interesting maybe to have like how much did you donate uh financially and then don't ask for an exact amount but give like a range zero to ten dollars ten to fifty dollars fifty to a hundred dollars sort of thing and then has, we one of the big headlines can be the big point users donate five thousand dollars to boink projects last year yeah. you know it's just something that's interesting kind of useless yeah. but also brings people in that's a good idea you should note that down somewhere so we don't forget it <laughs> Oh, I'm definitely going to have to go back through this recording and note it down. Note down all the. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we should put, put like an issue on GitHub or something. That way I can track yeah. it all. Oh, is this this is on the, the Science Commons Initiative repo, right? Yep. So, so anyone who wants to do that. Yeah, both the code for generating all of this stuff and the data and this HTML web page is all open source. So if anyone wants to go and check out the data, um, check out the code that I used to generate all this, verify whether my work is actually correct, go for it. It's uh, all on the Science Commons Initiative GitHub. And if you want to put down ideas, make them issues, uh, and we'll have a discussion right there on GitHub. That would be what a great way to start contributing to the Science Commons Initiative, which is an entirely volunteer initiative or a volunteer nonprofit, legitimately registered. We actually just got our legal recognition as a 501c3. We got that approved just the other week. Uh, so we're ready to get going here. And uh, you'll see some updates regarding to how to regarding how to donate to us. Uh, we already have some money in the bank uh, that we want to use to fund microgrid, uh, which is a way to get uh, researchers who have a small amount of data, but not enough to, to really justify creating their own Boink project, uh, how to get these researchers into Boink uh, through this sort of umbrella project called microgrid. Uh, if you are a software engineer and you want to help out with that, please do come in and join us and help build this this microgrid initiative. And uh, we want to do a lot of other stuff uh, with the money uh, that we've got right now and any donations uh, that you we happen to uh, to receive over the coming years. Yay, SCI pitch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I think we should probably end it there. We've just about hit uh, 40 minutes. Um, and we're literally about halfway through the Boink census, so um, we're making good time. Um, in probably yeah, two weeks, so we'll do this again next yeah. year or next next uh, radio. Yeah, we will be doing the Boink census next year. Um, <laughs> yes, we will, we will also be presenting the rest of it in two weeks when we do our next radio. That's awesome. So. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Marcus, for uh, putting this together and the rest of the SCI team who, who helped 
uh, review all the questions and go through it and, and help you compile stuff. Uh, thanks to everyone who filled out the survey, the census. And uh, we'll see you all in two weeks. And don't forget to check out the Point Workshop, pointworkshop.org, March 1st and March 8th. Yep. And also, if you're listening to this and you want to be notified when the next Boink Census is happening, there's a link at the bottom of the Boink Census of the Boink Census page, uh, which was uh, pretty sure it says, um, yeah, get an email notification for the next Boink Census. And singing up to that, so we have the SCI has a blog and a newsletter, and we I think we set up a very specific newsletter that's just for this census. So if you sign up for that, you'll get nothing else from the SEI except for an email next year that's like, hey, we're doing the census now. Actually, this Feel year free to fill it out. for the for the 2023 this, census. Right, right. Yep. Next fall, let's say. <laughs> yeah. All right, awesome. Any other closing thoughts here? Nope. Uh, be prepared for another beverage in two weeks. Can't wait. Actually, like, I never visualized oak as a one of those cartons. It was yeah. always a plastic bottle form. <laughs> All cartons. I only get the cartons. Come on. It's classic. Ah, good man. <laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you in two weeks here on the Boink Network Discord server or live streaming YouTube and Twitter, 5 p.m. Eastern time. Have a great couple weeks. See you, everyone.